Hey, how many of you love a good mystery? A good mystery. Do you like a good mystery? What is not compelling, right, about a story with twists and turns and some unexpected characters and not everyone is who you think they are, right? And then the ending, it's like, oh, the surprise ending, what's gonna happen and is it gonna turn out well? And I like mysteries that have a good ending, right? And then there's some mysteries that are so intense that you like, you actually have to like turn to the back of the book. Have you ever done that? Like, I just need to know right now, because this sounds really dire. I'm gonna flip to the back, right, and see how it ends. Okay, 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 now I can go back, I can breathe. Today, that's what we're doing. Today, that's what we're doing. We're going to the back of the book, and then we're gonna work our way back into the Christmas story and actually discover that I believe that Christmas is one of the greatest mystery stories ever told. And maybe today we're gonna come out of these moments together actually understanding this mystery of God that is so wonderful and so beautiful and so compelling that we've been telling it for over 2,000 years. Are you ready? You ready to dive in? So as a church, we've been reading through the New Testament, which very surprisingly and interestingly puts us in the most unexpected places of Scripture for the Christmas season. Revelation, wow, where can you find Christmas in Revelation? And and especially these chapters where we've been reading, it's like there's not many Hallmark movies based on, right, chapters eight through 12, which is where we've been this week. Chapters, starting in chapters eight, we actually have been reading about the judgment of God on the world. Pretty, pretty intense reading, actually. Pretty, pretty tough stuff. We start reading about these angels, seven angels that are blowing seven trumpets. And at each of the trumpet blasts, we're told, and so we write right through uh, chapters eight and nine, what we find out is that at every trumpet blast from these seven angels, that there's a different judgment brought to the world. And they're very, very challenging. It talks about a third of like the earth being burned up. It talks about a third of the seas and the waters being destroyed. It talks about the sky being impacted. And then it even goes into talking about how there's actual physical torment and pain on those who have turned their backs on God. And then we find that with that sixth angel's trumpet blast and the judgment that a third of all of humanity, their lives are taken. This is like, Merry Christmas. Okay, I thought it was kind of a joyful Christmas service. It's It's the Sunday of joy. Where is joy? What is going on with all of this judgment against the world and against humanity? Why would this be happening? How can a God of love and of peace and yes, of joy be causing this kind of havoc to come, across, uh, you know, to come down upon the world and humanity? It's a great question. 
Why would judgment come? Well, first of all, I want you to remember, who is the author of the entire story? Who is the creator, right, of this story? It's God himself. God, this is God's story. God is the author. And you know what? As he wrote the story, it was good. And it was loving and it was beautiful and it was perfect because that's who God is. He is good and he's loving. He's perfect. And yet, what we find way early on, Genesis chapter three, darkness comes in to God's beautiful story. And to put it very bluntly, humanity, we really screwed up God's story. This story that was so beautiful and perfect and wonderful and lovely. Guess what? Humanity screwed it all up. And man, we have just oh, turned our backs on the author of the story and, and taken this beautiful gift of creation and turned it into something ugly oftentimes and, and really mishandled and, and, you know, this, this beautiful creation. And Paul, the apostle Paul, was reflecting on this at the beginning of Romans. Let me just read to you some of what he writes about how crazy we've messed things up. In Romans 1, 23 through 25, Paul says this about so much of humanity. He says, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, the author and the creator of the story, they worshiped idols made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles. I want you to think about this. God, the author, the creator, who made animals and birds and reptiles and everything, rather than worshiping the author and creator, well, I'm, I'm gonna just worship this snake instead, right? I'm gonna worship the created thing rather than the creator. How, how crazy is that? So God abandoned them, not abandoned them in his love or his intention or his purpose, but listen, it says God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. It's like God saying, okay, if this is the bent and direction of your heart, if you're not gonna turn to me, but you're gonna turn to all this other stuff, I'm, I'm abandoning you to like, go, go, do what you're gonna do. I'm not going to make you worship me. So you, have, you must choose what are you going to worship. So when it says he abandoned them, he was basically saying, no, you, you choose what you're gonna worship. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Because of God's, or because of humanity's choice to do this, to abandon the truth and choose a lie, to worship the created things and to choose a path of sin instead of worshiping the creator. God warned us over and over and over. Like my kids, I need to tell you that, that you know, there, there's a judgment coming 
for all of those who turn their back on me and, and choose to pursue all this sin and all these degrading, vile things. And he's saying judgment is coming. And over and over through the Old Testament and the New, in fact, Jesus himself gave some very, very strong warnings about what was coming, that there would be wars and natural disasters and, and things that would actually, he uses the word terrifying. It's gonna terrify people what's gonna come at the end. But guess what? That's not the end of the story. <laughs> he warned us. And, and guess, listen, just remember, all the warnings that God gave even through Jesus himself, those came like over 2,000 years ago. So like, has humanity had the time to get it right? Did we have fair warning? Did we like, like, okay, God, you did warn us that these things are coming. Yeah, but that's not the end of this story. So when we get to Revelation, what we're actually seeing with these judgments is that God is just doing what he said he would do, which is a reminder that God always will do what he says he will do without exception. He is faithful to his word and he is true. So when we read of the judgments and we go, oh, how terrible, we're saying, oh, wait a second, he warned us. And he's given us a couple thousand years to get it right. In fact, we read just days ago and I think it was in, First or second Peter is where, where uh, Peter is saying, hey, remember the God's patience, not bringing judgment yet, is to give more people an opportunity to respond to his grace and his redemption. So don't think that God, that, that because this has become a long time in coming and that revelation hasn't happened yet, don't think it's not coming. Just think like, wow, look at how patient God is with us broken people. Wow, right? So then we do get to these judgments that he had promised. But that, again, it's not the end of the story because not only is God the author and creator, not only did humanity really screw up God's story, not only did he warn us over and over that friends, judgment is coming. Turn your hearts to me. But in his goodness, he has offered all of us a way out, a way out of the judgment, a way of escape, a way of salvation. And friends, that is the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story that God has made a way out. He has made a way of escape from the certain judgments that God has promised are coming. But before we flip back to the Christmas story, let's stay at the end of the story just for a few more moments and check out a couple of pretty amazing and intense things. I was saying in chapters eight and nine, there's these six trumpet blasts, six out of seven in chapters eight and nine in these six judgments that are gonna come to the world. But then we get to chapter 10. I wanna read just a couple of verses from chapter 10 and then a couple more from chapter 11. But it's in chapter 10 that John, the author, the one who like received this vision of revelation from God, he uses an interesting phrase. This is really why I believe that Christmas is a mystery because I want you to listen to what John writes. 
what he hears, what he's seeing in the heavens. And in verse six and seven of chapter 10, he hears this. No more delay. No more delay. For in the day when the seventh angel is to sound his trumpet, listen to these words, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. Say the mystery of God. God. Say the mystery of God. God. Will be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. In other words, this mystery, whatever this mystery is, is, has been announced all the way back in, from the Old Testament forward over and over again, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. No more delay when the seventh trumpet sounds. In the Bible, you will come across this word mystery actually over and over again. It's, it's a very commonly used word in scripture. So it's probably important that we kind of have an understanding of, of what mystery actually is. In the Bible, the word mystery refers to God's divine plan. Look, it's working. Wow, we have something on the screen. Hey, I should turn around and read what I wrote up there. Listen, this is really important for us to understand because authors use this word mystery many times. In the Bible, the word mystery refers to God's divine plan. Once hidden from the world, that has now been revealed to his people. So a mystery is something that's like, okay, I, I didn't used to understand this. It was something that was kind of hidden, hidden from the world. But now God has revealed this to his people. So it is something that we can understand. In fact, it was the apostle Paul using this word mystery to talk about something very important. And he, he uses this, one of the places in Colossians chapter one, verses 25 and 27. Listen to what Paul says about this mystery. There's something hidden that has now been revealed to God's people. Paul says, what I'm talking about is nothing less than the mystery of the ages, like the greatest mystery of all. What was hidden, everybody say hidden. Hidden. What was hidden for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Are you one of God's people? Then this mystery that had been hidden forever has now been revealed to you and to me as God's people. And this is the mystery. He like leaves no stone unturned here. He's gonna tell us. This is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, come on. They need to be a little more excitement than that. This is the mystery, you guys. Christ. Not, not only in heaven not out there somewhere doing a good thing, not just Jesus the baby in the manger. 
Jesus here in me. And because of his presence within me, there is hope. (laughs) Because of his presence in me, I can have hope. And hope of what? Hope of glory. And that word conveys so much. Not only do I experience the glory of God in my being, but I have a hope that one day I will be in glory. Like full glory. Heavenly glory. I will get there. Man, you're not gonna want to miss the last Sunday of the year because that's when we're unpacking that. Full glory. But this is the mystery. Jesus is in me. And because of that, there is a hope. It is the hope of glory. Not the fear of judgment, but the hope of glory. That's the mystery. Listen, friends, God's mystery is the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus first came to make a way for salvation, a way out of judgment, okay? And then he's coming again to bring his home into full glory and redemption. Woo! That's the mystery. The mystery is the gospel. But guess what, friends? It's somewhat hidden from people who have chosen to turn their backs on God, who have chosen not to like investigate the author of the story and to turn their hearts toward him, but have turned their hearts to everything else, the brokenness of the world. But all of history has been pointing to this moment of this seventh trumpet being blown. And everything will be fulfilled about this mystery of the gospel. Everything fulfilled. It's like every story needs a good climax, right? And this is it. So then I told you something from Revelation 11. Just, it's actually just one verse. It's Revelation eleven fifteen because here's the sound of the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh trumpet, or the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. Last week we talked about millions and millions of angels being seen by John just, just in the throne room of God. So when it says that there's many voices, this isn't just like the five folk, right? Like saying this stuff. This is like this symphony of voices and they're not quiet. Like, have you ever been to like Dodger Stadium? When Shohei Otani like, no, you haven't, but you will. Come on, let's go Dodgers. Sorry, Mikey. And just the roar of the crowd, maybe 50,000, 55,000 people, just like the roar of the crowd. Listen, there is nothing, nothing that compares on earth to what we, this experience. So the seventh angel, man. And then there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become 
has become past tense. It's now accomplished. The mystery has been fulfilled. Listen, saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Now, if you're familiar at all with like Christmas and Christmas music, you may say, wait a second. I think I've heard those words somewhere before. Yeah, Handel's Messiah. It's one of the most famous orchestral pieces and choral pieces of music ever written in the 1700s. And guess where the hallelujah chorus came from? Right here, Revelation chapter 11, the seventh trumpet, which has now become one of the most famous Christmas songs ever. And please forgive my, my voice. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. See, Christmas in Revelation. Check it out. Not awesome. Mm. But see, when we think about the first Christmas, when we think about this king who will reign forever and ever, when we see him show up in the story, it's a mystery. Because he doesn't show up as his conquering king. He doesn't show up as like this ruler, like on fire and just, I'm gonna tear down the enemy and I'm gonna make all this happen right now. No, it's this mystery. It's the mystery of the gospel that Jesus didn't come as a conquering king, but he came, listen, as a needy infant. And last night, uh, Kelly and I took my mom and we went and saw the Chosen's adaptation of the Christmas story that's in the theaters right now. And I know it's not in town very long and I don't know if you'll be able to see it. But can I just tell you, I like wept watching it, wept. I, I sometimes do weep at like a Hallmark commercial too, so. <laughs> but I wept because they portray the humanity of the story in ways that these were real people going through real things feeling real emotion and real pain and had real fear. And then God shows up in the midst, but he doesn't show up again as a conquering king. He shows up as this needy infant to be cared for. What a mystery. And he doesn't show up like in royal palaces and, you know, with fanfare and, and servants. And no, you know what? He, when he arrives, you know, who came on the scene were these wide-eyed shepherds this is the guy. This is the guy that the angels just told us about. No way. They were so excited, so filled with joy. What a mystery. What a mystery this Christmas story is.
Jesus came into the world in such an unexpected way. And we could even say in a way that is hidden from the eyes of those who were not carefully watching. Do you remember when Jesus, like fast forward 30 years, when Jesus would teach, he always taught telling stories. I would call them parables, right? Maybe you, maybe you even know some of those. There's like the good Samaritan. Yeah, that was one of Jesus' stories. That was one of the parables. He talks about the parable of like the four soils. He talks about like the mustard seed. He, he always talks in ways that are parables. Have you ever wondered why? Well, Jesus actually told his, his followers why he taught in parables. And it has to do with the fact that this is all part of a mystery, something hidden that is only revealed to those who are following after him. It was in Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus tells his followers, he says, this is why I use these parables. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let them heal me. What he's saying is that people who have turned away from him are unable to perceive like they hear Jesus, they, they hear the stories, they hear all, all the wonder that, oh man, God came so I don't have to face judgment. He gave me a new way of life. Okay, whatever, on to the next thing. There is no perception. There's like this, a blinder on them. This filter of yuck that is, but it's one that they've chosen. They've chosen a path away from God rather than toward him. So their eyes are covered. But then he turns to his friends and he says this, and I turn to you and I say these words of Jesus for all those who have that blinder removed and have chosen to follow after him. Listen to these words of Jesus, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. There is a blessing that comes with seeing. There is a blessing that comes with hearing, with understanding. This is why Jesus taught in parables. And can I tell you that I believe it's the same for Christmas. In many ways, Christmas itself is this giant parable. Just like in a parable that Jesus told, there was things that were hidden that needed to be perceived spiritually. That not everyone can see. Only those who are pursuing God, who are looking deeply into the heart of the author and his intent. Now, for us, those of you that have already like, man, I put my trust in Jesus, I'm all his, he's all mine, we're tight. The Christmas story seems so clear. It's like, how clear did it need to be? Jesus came, 
right? It's like when the angel shows up and speaks these words to Mary about this child that she will have, it could not have been more clear. Listen to what the angel said, captured in Luke 1, 31 through 33. It says, you will conceive, Mary, and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Hmm. He will be very great and will be called the son, the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I mean, how could you be any more clear about the Christmas story? that Jesus' birth will be a miracle like none other, the virgin with child. And that Jesus is actually God's son, the son of the most high. Sorry, Joseph. Jesus is God's son. And he will reign on the throne of David, meaning all of those prophetic words spoken through the Old Testament are being fulfilled in the person of Jesus, God himself. Oh, and one more thing. And unlike David's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is never, ever, ever, ever going to end. This is an eternal kingdom. And he shall reign forever and ever. I mean, this is this theme echoed from Christmas to Revelation. In Revelation, we read, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then this angel shows up in the middle of the story, saying, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Christmas, this first coming of Jesus, is central to God's mystery. But what's crystal clear to you and to me, those who have already put our faith in Jesus, is so hidden to the world. Now they know it's Christmas, right? They see the lights, many give gifts, They can tell you all about Santa Claus, probably even the Grinch, right? I mean, they can kind of recite to you those parts of the Christmas story, all the decoration. But so many have missed out on the central theme because it is hidden to them. My prayer is that at Christmas, this Christmas, that eyes will be opened. That there will be people who see this story in a whole new light. That will have their eyes opened. That there will be others that God will be able to say, just like he said to his followers, blessed are your eyes because now you see. Blessed are your ears because now you can hear. 
How is that gonna happen? You know what, much of that is gonna happen the same way it happened 2,000 years ago. When those wide-eyed shepherds ran around the town like crazy people saying, Jesus is here! The Messiah has come. You do not have to face judgment, but God has come to provide a way of escape. Now remember, the judgments are certain. God has proclaimed them. And then we turn to the end of the story and we say, oh my God, look at what is coming to the world. But the good news is, and it is good news, it is the gospel news that Jesus came to provide a way out, a way of escape, a way of salvation. And it's wrapped up in the mystery of Christmas. Parents, tell your kids the story of Christmas. I use all of the beauty of Christmas trees and lights and gifts because those all reflect different things about the story, but it's not the story itself. Parents, talk to your kids about Christmas. Talk to them about Jesus. Talk about the fact that he came to offer this way out of certain death and judgment. That he provided a way of escape. Talk to your kids. And then friends, share with your neighbors. Share with people who are, there should never be a time that's easier. Because all the decorations and just getting into conversation about, hey, tell me, tell me about how you celebrate Christmas. What's, what's Christmas mean to you and your family? Just ask questions and see where it goes. Because oftentimes they'll turn around and say, well, what, what does Christmas mean to you? How, do you? how do you celebrate Christmas? Well, that's very interesting because actually next Sunday on Christmas Eve, one of the things that I do is I, I like coming with my church and now we light candles, not just because they're beautiful, but because they represent the light of the world. Maybe there's somebody that you would even invite next Sunday to come and experience something of the mystery of Christmas that their eyes might see and that their ears might hear. Find opportunities. Tonight, we're just going on our block. Why? To tell the story of Christmas. To help with beauty of hot chocolate and cookies and Christmas carols and love. that Jesus is alive and that they are loved and that judgment is not needfully part of their futures. It's the good news of Christmas. It's the mystery of Christmas. Let's pray. <clears throat> hey friends, even, even as I shared about this whole idea of mystery and things hidden and revealed, there's likely some right here in this room right now that are going, oh my gosh, like, I, mm, maybe I have not seen these things clearly. Maybe, maybe these truths have been hidden from me. Have I seen Jesus clearly? 
Or have I considered him something less than the savior of the world? My Lord and my God. Have I maybe looked at him as, I don't, I don't know, a genie in a bottle, someone like when I, you have a big need, like you cry out to him. But other than that, like you've been kind of distant from him and not really turned to him. Can I say that this Christmas is an opportunity? Listen, to hear with your ears the message of God's goodness that Jesus came as our savior to save us from judgment. Open your eyes, open your ears and open your hearts to him like never before. Friends, turn your life to Jesus, the author of the story. In Jesus' name. Hey friends, if that's you, if you're like, God, I I am opening my eyes and my ears and my heart to you. Would you just like lift your hands to him and say, God, just pour out to me, show me, speak to me, minister life to me. Because this life has been a mystery to me. I've tried to figure it out on my own, but it's almost like things have been hidden and I haven't been able to understand. Would you just like lift your hands to Jesus and say, Jesus, show yourself to me clearly. Speak to me clearly. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lisa and ministry team, would you come forward? We're gonna finish by just inviting you to receive prayer. If you even like say, I want to see Jesus clearly. I want to hear him clearly, but I don't, I don't know how that's possible. Would you come in just a moment and, and say, would you just pray for me for a moment that I could see or hear God clearly? Oh my gosh, these people would love to do that. And friends, join us back tonight at six as we go and help to tell the story, okay? As we go to our neighbors and share the goodness of Jesus. Amen. And then we'll see you next Sunday. Bring a friend. You are loved.